Good. Because I got a couple of things I'd like to talk about. My name is Big Will, a.k.a. Uncle Buck. This is the Heavy Hole Podcast. Who are you? I'm Tom. I produce the Heavy Hole Podcast, and I like to party. I'll do the partying in here today. Okay. No, that's that. Uh, you know what? It's the holiday season. You can party. Everyone can party. Everyone's here for the party. Merry uh, Christmas and Happy Hanukkah and uh, all the things. Happy New Year. Tell your boss you're off. Yeah, I it, it came on a weekend this year. Um, me and Ghetto Boys were out trick or treating, robbing little kids. No, that's a song. That's a different song. It's a different holiday. Uh, shout out to the Ghetto Boys. Rest in peace, Bushwick Bill. This is the how. This no, it's not the how. It's the holiday. Holiday. I'm yeah. we're off to a good start here. This is the holiday adjacent episode. Uh, rounding out this this beautiful holiday season we've had, all New York guests. We're going to have one, but before we get there, we had a beautiful New York event. You and I hung out outside of the podcast, and we I didn't did. pay you like we usually do. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Sometimes I pay Tom to, to hang out with me around Huntington Village and mm-hmm. encourage me to talk to women and things like that. Like, of course. Like that movie with the, the other Will Smith and... Uh, uh, Paul Blart Mall Cop that like, oh, we do it? that hitch hitch right yeah but yeah, you yeah. didn't charge me never do I actually got you in for free yes uh, allegedly at Rams American Pub in Holbrook this weekend thanks for getting me in man uh, it was close yeah that was close it was the door the, that was a perilous actually, doorless situation yeah you actually got me the refund on the spot I pay I handed over U S mm-hmm. currency and uh, you said and you said no no stop it. Give that I, man's money back. I said your money is no good here, sir. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was like a, it was like that movie. It was like the Mel Gibson movie. I was like, give, give him back his twenty. Like, give me back my son. You know, like, <laughs> give him back his. I, it was great, man. I was I was this close to whipping out the old taser allegedly, but um, but it was all good. I bring a taser when I go to Pyrexia shows. You never know what's gonna jump off. Sure. Stand by the exit. Bring mace or a taser, whatever's legal in your vicinity. All right. Um. Pyrexia, malignancy. Um, another, we're not going to say them because we're going to recommend their music later and give them a whole other bit on the podcast. Good. So we're not going to say those guys. Bowel erosion started it off like the champions they always are. Reeking aura, just to have, to have all those gentlemen there playing their instruments. Man, it was a beautiful experience. Um, everybody was awesome. Shout to uh, Chris and Bill and Jaden, our um, our top. Top supporting merch, merch uh, uh, endorsers that night, man. They they yeah. were yeah they were all over the merch table. These guys, we appreciate them. Good folks. rocking the gear, bringing the friends and family out, man. Shout out to everybody who was out there, man. Um, was that your first time at Rams? That was actually. I've seen a lot of shows go through, and I just hadn't gone. It was exactly what I expected. Uh, perfect for right. a Long Island. Out East Long Island adventure. Very Suffolk. Yeah, very yeah. Suffolk County. Very Suffolk County. Like, for the for the, all the city kids that came out to Mr. Beery's for the uh, Barely Breathing Fest and Anal Birth and everything, um, the next level of Long Island is getting those kids out to Shakers or Rams. Shakers I've been to a few times. Uh, yeah. I, I think I prefer Rams. Uh, there's, well, there's different vibes. Shakers has like a big wide open floor, way more space than Rams, but for mm. some reason everyone congregates around the pool table, so it doesn't matter. Right. Rams, you're kind of just, uh, you have everyone up on the stairs watching you. It almost reminds me of when you see like the bigger concert situations and they have barriers. You know, like between the between the the, the band and the, the the fans, like it's kind of like you know it has an interesting vibe, man. I like Rams. I I think it works, man. Um, yeah. 
It was a good, it was a good time over there. How you been otherwise, Tom? Oh, I'm just really busy work things yeah. and uh I like what you've yeah. done with the place. Yeah, thank you. I cleaned up the studio. There's no more couch, no more sleeping down here. Yeah, no, I, like immediately when I came down here, I felt more geared towards working mentally. Yes. You know, it's it's nice. It's my goal, you know. The refrigerator's gone, the couch yeah, is gone. It's actually just over there. The fridge okay. is there. It's not in my range of vision. I like that. Right. I'm not thinking of drinking and eating when I should be thinking of metal. The couch is gone, which is like, it just changes everything, man. It's great. Yeah, it opens up the floor space. I use this cab to mount all the, the mic stands. The I mic see arms, that. So that's, that's like, fun. you've made this into like some like Dr. Octopus-like contraption, this guitar cabinet. It's kind of cool. I like it. I think, no, I think it's great. It works well. Yeah. Way um, less floor space than that, uh, that dorm room uh, Ikea table that I had down here. You're a big boy now. Yeah. You're a big boy now. Correct. Another man who's a big boy now. No, I'm sorry, Taylor. I'm sorry. It was too good a segue. (laughs) It was too good a segue. It's a little Christmas joke in your stocking. Taylor Schrank has always been a big boy. Longtime supporter of the podcast. We appreciate him and have known him behind the scenes for a while. Uh, Also of orthopedic cranial encavement, New York's premier gore grind noise assaults in your ear. Uh, And now also current member of Immortal Suffering, a band who's uh, some other longtime members we've spoken to in the past we had to get taylor down here and get him on the horn and talk about um not only his experiences in those two bands but a little behind this behind the scenes experience uh working in new york city um in the food industry we'll just say we'll let the we'll let the story unravel oh man yeah watch out for those vermin from heavy hole podcast and i'm here with taylor shrank from orthopedic cranial encavement immortal suffering and other bands that we'll get into how are you taylor doing great man how about yourself feeling good man uh welcome to the podcast it's it's long overdue and we got to thank you tom and justin aren't here and um the rest of the team aren't here but we got to thank you for being a longtime supporter as well man we know you from um uh back in the day in heavy hole podcast uh, uh years man i thank you guys we got me through some times of the doldrums of slaving in the restaurants through COVID, man. That was like my Friday shit for a solid year. Throw on the heavy hole and escape everyone. Yeah, I well, we first of all, I appreciate uh, knowing that, man. Um, that that uh, it, it it meant something to somebody. First of all, man, and you know we get comments sometimes like that. I, I'm glad that it's good content for people, but it's weird that that time period is like an era now, man. I, I look back and I, you know it's like well, that's when we did the Mike Browning interview. Um, that's when we interviewed. Uh, I'm pretty sure like uh, Kelly from Atheist, and we 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 matched. Yeah, the, yeah, I remember that one. Yeah, we matched. The I love the King uh, the King Fally one, man. On Halloween was one of the most entertaining ones. Absolutely, man. Um, we got to get King Fowley back, man. I want, I want, I, I, I got to reach out to him again, man. Maybe we'll wait for a special because we did, we, we, we had him on for Halloween one year, so maybe we'll wait for another special holiday and, and market. But uh, we got Taylor Shrank on right now, like I said, of Orthopedic Cranial and Cavement. 
um, an upcoming New York gore grind band, and Immortal Suffering, a uh, well-renowned gore grind band. We re- uh, well-renowned uh, uh, New York death metal band, I should say. <laughs> we recently had well, we had Leo Backman, formerly of the band, longtime member on. Um, we had Big Joe, uh, the the kind of um, f- one of the founding members and still the leader of the band on just recently. And now you you've kind of joined the band recently. So let's go before all that. The typical heavy hole question, Taylor, are you from a musical family? Are there musicians older than yourself or anyone that steered you towards heavy metal and hard rock growing up? I wouldn't say it's like super musical family, but there was definitely some stuff going on. Like my grandma played the piano, but she was like super hard of hearing. So I barely remember even doing that before. She was just like... I think it just bummed her out. She's like, stop playing piano. Uh, but my dad, my dad plays a little guitar. He used to like annoy me and play these same like five fucking blues licks. <laughs> when I remember in like middle school, just like practice the same shit. I'm like, dad, shut the fuck up. I'm trying to go to sleep. Um, I don't know. My brother he i remember him doing like violin and stuff and honestly out of anyone in my family he probably has the best ear for music even more than me like i just remember like we'd always just dick around on stuff and he was like impressively good with how well he could just like work out a tune and a melody um but other than that not much my grandma definitely kind of pushed me into music but like definitely wasn't intend intending the route that I really took, but I don't know. That's kind of the gist of it, at oh. least for the early, early. Okay, and if you don't mind my asking, are you from are originally from New York? No, I'm from Durango, Colorado, which is uh, southwest Colorado. It's about 45 minutes from New Mexico and probably six and a half seven hours from denver okay so in terms of getting into more uh you know harder music or independent type of music um tell me a little bit about that how how do you how do you kind of stray from the path in terms of uh, music and and um uh in your upbringing and in your adolescence man it took me a while for sure like i try to think back and be like you know how the hell did i end up being this crazy metal dude because like where i'm from that is just not a thing man like you could count i could count on probably two hands like the bands throughout the entire like 25 years i lived in that area that you would even consider heavy but I think ultimately, like really thinking back, the real first taste of it was my brother of all people, who's like completely different than me, total jock dude, football player, like not into shit. He just randomly wanted to get a drum set, I remember. My dad bought him the cheapest ass shitty drum set off a musician's friend. And then he started jamming in a fucking, like, Metallica cover band when he was probably (laughs) in, like, eighth grade. And I was probably in fifth grade, I would say. So that's probably, what, like, 2000. And they only did, like, a couple covers off uh, the Black Album, I remember. It was, like, these two trashy-ass dudes and my drummer for some reason. 
but I always thought it was pretty sick. And the kid would leave his uh, guitar there, his electric guitar, with this little amp, and he had the fucking Dan Electro like grilled cheese distortion pedal, which like maybe some people would remember. It's like a piece of shit, but like just super scratchy, like tinny distortion. And I would just like wait till they got done and like pick that thing up and like just like shred out on like some fucking janky distortion and I was like damn this is sick but it really took a long time like from then to when I actually started getting to like death metal and stuff like it didn't really like sink its teeth into me right away but I definitely was like into that sound I just like there was no one to tell me what was up like we didn't really have MTV or shit like that like but that was definitely like the first taste of it all right, man. Wow. So your brother obviously had an ear for metal if he's in like a Metallica cover band young. Sounds like, like you know, you say Colorado, people are thinking weed and cephalic carnage. I think it sounds like you were probably on like a whole different side of the state, right? Oh, completely, man. There it's like weed, oldster, like white dude, blues cover bands, <laughs> and like the fucking bluegrass meltdown <laughs> and like later just like terrible edm djs and shit like that's like half the reason i had to get out of call out of that part of colorado was just like dude i'm trying to get gnar <laughs> and this is not happening here i mean i did eventually form some bands and join some bands like that but you, no one's trying to listen to it. No one's really able to play it. You're especially not going to get a fucking drummer that can play that shit there. All right. Well, it's... But, it, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, but we tried nonetheless. All right. Well, speaking of a number of... It seems like you have a number of project projects that kind of took off in the last few years. Does that coincide with you moving to New York? Um, I mean, that's kind of just more of like fucking being like i don't know just having this urge to create stuff and like just you know it's just like not enough for me to do these bands like i have other shit and i just like to think of weird stuff that's like just like imaginary bands and then like what would be this fucking bullshit fake genre this band would play and then i just make it (laughs) Well, well, you. We were talking before. I was like asking you, kind of, you know, what what projects are still active, so to speak, and things like that. I mean, if you go on metal, shout to Metal Archives, which is obviously constant research for our podcast. You're um obviously like we said, like we said, orthopedic cranial encavement, which um we're gonna get to talking about your upcoming new release. Obviously, that's a big big reason why why uh we brought you on today, and also being an immortal suffering. Uh, you have Closet Nun, which is spelled in a very complicated way. Uh, it has some releases, <laughs> but there's also a bunch of projects on there that don't really have links and aren't really credited to anything. Crimson Heart, you were nice enough to give me a copy of in person. Are these all kind of like tape-based um, experimental projects that, that you say that are out there, but not really out there in terms of the internet? Yeah, it's literally just like make some shit throw it up on Bandcamp, send it to a few people and be like, hey, if you like it, that's cool. Spread it around. If not, you know, I'm just going to move on to the next thing. But it's all kind of just like, 
I remember, I don't know who it was, if it was even on the heavy hole, but I feel like it was. Somebody was talking about how, like, Seth Putnam used to just make up these outrageous bands and, like, try to act like he fucking knew some super underground shit. And he's like, dude, well, that's not a band. And then he would just, like, go home and, like, demo it out, some fucking bullshit that was him and just make up these fake bands. And, like, (laughs) that's kind of what I do. Like, I have my band game is just, like, a fake fucking label, Shit Farmer Productions. Like, nothing is credited on there as me. It's just, like... It's just all, I don't know, kind of a dumb joke and kind of like, I just want to amass this like body of fucking ridiculous work. And then maybe someday when I'm long gone and dead, some fucking jag off nerd is going to find it in like 2080 and just see this fucking (laughs) bunch of weird albums and be like, who the fuck was this guy? Like, that's kind of what I want more than anything. I, I think that's actually what everyone aspires to in death metal and grindcore. <laughs> that's that's definitely my um my my uh, wish for my legacy a hundred percent. Yeah, I'm looking now. Uh, shitfarmerproductions.bandcamp.com. There's an extensive collection there uh, of all these different projects people can can check out. Man, um, uh, it's it, it really reminds me. You know, we had um shout to Steve Eggs from Pile of Eggs. Uh, and and all his different projects uh, through the yep. years, we had him on uh, a long again a long time ago. We were talking about past guests before, but um, uh, you know him and and uh, a lot of these experiment not so much that darker side of power electronics and harsh noise, but the experimental noise core guys that always had a lot of fun with it and were a little bit more like on the on the grindcore side of things. Man, that's what this reminds me of. Uh, when I look at this collection that you have on on your Bandcamp here, man, it's it's if people might want to go go through this one one day, man. It's it's f- some fun stuff to have a few drinks uh, uh, too, and and whatever you want to do allegedly. Um, it's a good mix of stuff. I'm not gonna lie. I mean, well, it's I mean by good, I mean there's the good variety. I don't know if you would call it good, but yeah, what? some people might like it. <laughs> Well, like I said, like, you know, you like I remember getting those pile of eggs ads back in the day and the guy had a whole bunch of different projects that were mainly all him or him and a few of his friends. And they all had a different vibe and theme, but it was basically all grind and noise, man. So it's kind of a cool underground tradition uh, to have all these different projects. But it seems like you doubled down um, on orthopedic cranial encavement uh, around 2019 um, with your bandmate who goes by, uh, well, like we said, according to Metal Archives, a, a pseudonym. I don't know if uh, that person should be named or not. Yeah, I don't know what it says on there. Jerk Gorson or something? Uh, something like that. It was hard to pronounce. But hold on. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, <laughs> you caught me out here. Hold on a second, man. But um, uh, I don't remember either. Well, is that is that obviously that's not the person's real name, but I don't know if you want you want to get into it, but um, is no, nah, I mean I can give you his real name because he's a pretty interesting guy and he definitely deserves the cred, and we're not trying well, to be it, like fucking slipknot over here. Kiklakov Naskaj. Yeah, that's his name backwards. So it's uh, Jackson Kovalchik. All right, shout out to Jackson. All right, Kovalchik. Um. Uh, your drummer and vocalist. So, is this a band that you formed when you when you moved out to New York? Is that around the same time? No. So it took me probably, I would say three and a half, four years. 
um, of living in New York before I did anything musically. I originally moved out here to cook, uh, like high end fine dining, and that pretty much consumed my entire life for about four years. But yeah, I don't know. I kind of like reached all my goals with that, and then eventually was just sitting there like, yo, I'm gonna hate myself. If I fucking moved all the way from tiny town Durango, Colorado to New York City and I'm not doing shit with music. So that's like kind of why I made my goal. I changed jobs, started working daytime, and then it just like started trying to write something. And then I conceptualized the whole band really before I even met Jackson. And I lucked out and found him. So that was probably like mid. 2018 okay if i could stop you there you now you went did you go to school to be a uh like you you said a high-end fine dining a chef yeah i mean i came here started was a line cook i was like cooking all the time in colorado i started when i was like 15 as a dishwasher and it was just like what i kind of always did Went to college. I tried doing music in college, and it was just like, it just wasn't for me, dude. None of those kids knew how to rock. I wasn't trying to, <laughs> trying to, I wasn't trying to practice seven hours on some shit that I didn't really want to play, you know. So I decided to commit to cooking, but basically it was like, yo, if I'm gonna do this, it's gotta be go big or go home. So where better than New York City, I guess. Okay, Are, would you be allowed to say any of the places that you were a cook at in New York City? Is it any anywhere in New York City people might have heard of? Um, I started at uh, Oriole on 42nd Street, which is no longer. That was like a one Michelin star. Then it was fucking crazy. We were doing like pre-theater for the uh, Broadway shows and shit, just getting killed. Just like basically the epitome of like asshole like work environment but it was still fun and then from there i worked at uh Marea on columbus circle which is still around uh which was like less intense but higher level uh italian place and then after that it was a chef in uh Bushwick for a year at this mom and pop French spot, which is where I really started thinking like, all right, dude, I need to fucking <laughs> chill out and just like <laughs> do something else with my life. And then uh, the last place where I was listening to Heavy Hole all the time was a uh, Vietnamese place on St. Mark's. So you were able to adapt between Italian, French, and Vietnamese <laughs> cooking fairly easily. Mm-hmm. I mean, I so. all right, well, I'm a layman in terms of this. I mean, I, I really don't know much, man, besides working a little bit of a grill here and there or a barbecue. <laughs> like what, like what you, I guess you went to school where you kind of learned base, the base lessons for, for different types of cuisines. Nah, I didn't go to culinary school at all. I just started like as a kid dishwashing worked my way up to prep and then like did it throughout high school. I was lucky to work on this really good chef in Colorado who was like kind of the OG on the whole farm to table shit, which is like 
kind of a total bullshit buzzword, but like back then it was fucking dead ass, dude. Like this guy had hip hippies coming in the back door, covered in fucking dirt, like bringing us like fifty pound sacks of potatoes and beets and fucking all the shit, dude. It was it was serious, man. We were getting like live trout, killing them, huh. fucking lambs and shit. That dude's actually from Poughkeepsie. So he was able to tell me a little bit about New York when I moved here. And he was also a fucking kind of a metalhead, which was sick, dude. Like, I remember working in that place, and I would be fucking uh, down in the basement prepping, like, in high school and just be, like, blasting, like, romp-a-prop and shit, dude. And, like, (laughs) I was this weird fuck, and he was, like, totally down with it, man. He was definitely, like, into death and shit. Wow. Okay, man. So this is interesting. I never realized that that's what you did as a day job. And it's it's fairly, I mean, you, you tell people you worked as a chef in several different types of restaurants in New York City for a few years. It sounds like it was at least an exciting experience. You must have a few stories to tell. Oh, yeah, dude. All kinds of shit. I'm actually no longer in the, the restaurant industry. That's why I'm, like, able to do... Uh all this band shit now so i'm like i fully got out but yeah i mean that was my life 100 percent for a long time <laughs> what was there any like total just calamity nights where something went totally wrong in the kitchen and customers kind of got screwed on their orders or like every like a big like a real big kind of disaster like that's got to happen at some point it's a high stress environment i mean there's oh uh, i mean Dude, like some of the worst stuff that I that we had to go through was at the first place. They were insane about the health inspections. And I don't know like if you or anyone listening, I'm sure people listening have gone through a New York City health inspection. It is fucking insane when they come, dude. Especially at a high end place like that where it's like if you don't get a fucking A, it's like it's like somebody died, dude. It's just so high stress, but they would do, um, they did it to us twice, but the first time was real bad. They did a mock health inspection. They hired somebody to fucking come in and pretend to be the health inspector. And dude, it's like insane. You have like, it's like right before we open. So we have like, 15 steaks are seared off five burgers that are marked off like all this shit that's ready to just like throw on the grill then put it in the oven bring it to temp like we would just rip like 150 covers in like an hour in this place for pre-theater and they came and like like health inspector so what they told us to do with everything was like yo if you're not sure about it if you think you're gonna get a point or some shit for this just throw it away so everyone just starts throwing all their shit away the fucking dude comes and takes the whole like things of chickens which are like sous vide and plastic bags that are in a water mat and like runs and puts them in some chick's locker that didn't have a fucking lock on it like all our shit's just getting all wet dude and then it turns out it's a fake health inspection and then service is supposed to start in like 20 minutes and now everyone's fucked and they're like is everyone ready for service and we're like no dude 
And then just, like, everyone goes down like a wet sack of shit, like that chef would say, and then just getting yelled at for fucking hours. Dude, just crazy shit. And then they, uh, when they did come for real, we would have these uh, big-ass banquets there. And we it's the same shit. It was, like, after the first eating, and then you'd have a banquet in between – and I think it was like 45 people. We had all the fish cooked off, like 25 portions of fish, 10 steaks, fucking all the garnish ready to just like start like assembly line, like plating this. And then it's just like all hands on deck. And the fucking health inspector came and we're like, oh my fucking God. And this little chick comes in and Somebody, like, distracted her, got her to go into the back in the walk-in, and me and the chick who was on fish, we just grabbed all the proteins that were on she trays and just went out into this hall. This is in the ba- uh, basement of the American uh, Bank of America building, and luckily we had this, like, one hot box out there, which is, like, a cart used for catering, offsite catering. We just, like, barreled all the fucking proteins into this shit the health inspector didn't see us closed the door and then like spun it around and put a bunch of fucking like trash bags in front of it. So they wouldn't try to like fuck with it. <laughs> and then just like hid the garnish in one of the ovens that was off and shit got through the health inspection. And then, uh, I just remember the fucking chef de cuisine, this Italian dude comes back. He's like, Ariel, do you have all the protein for the party? She's like, yeah, chef. We're like, do you have all the garnish here? I'm like, yeah, dude, we're ready to go. Dude, just fucking pulled all the shit out, popped it in the oven, heated up the garnish, put out like a 60-person banquet like huh. within 10 minutes after this lady left. It was fucking incredible, dude. Wow. Oh, my God. Sorry, that was probably a little more than you wanted, but, man, dude. That was – like. No, the highs and the lows right there. And I love it. That's a great little story, man. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Finish up. No, nah, yeah. I was, wasn't uh, expecting to get into that type of shit. But, dude, oh, man. I, I, endless stories of that shit. That's interesting to me. Now, look, I I absolutely want to plug the new uh, orthopedic cranial encavement, which people are, are going to be sure to check out. Um, but uh, one more thing about this era of your life that I have to ask you, having moved from, uh, where, where you're from, where, would you describe where you're from as rural Colorado? It's so it's based, it's like, it's a blend. It's kind of, uh, it's very mountain town. It's like, especially now, but back then it's like kind of hippie liberal college town. Okay. Um, very definitely kind of a tourist like economy but then on the outskirts is all rural like ranchers farmers so like going to school you had like the rich kids and like everybody and like hippie kids but then you had like straight fucking rednecks like shit kicker cowboys who like legitimately rode bulls on the weekends and fucking sold their cows at the 4-h shit and stuff so like we kind of had all the Okay, so you come from out there, move to New York City, um, start start working in the kitchens. Now I'm and I want to make sure we're not singling out any specific place you worked at when I asked this question. But uh, rats, <laughs> New York City rats, 
Um, having worked in and out of the restaurant industry in New York City, man, I want to get your, is it as bad as people make them out to be? How big do they get? How bad is the problem? Have you ever seen like some, like a crazy amount that, you know? Uh, dude, I have never seen a rat in a New York City kitchen, but I have seen plenty of fucking mice. Mm. Mm. And I have personally killed some mice in cold blood, especially during COVID. Because, man, dude, during COVID, there was so many places that were shut down. There was, like, few restaurants, especially, like, like in the fucking gnarly times. There's so few places, and all these, like, mice are used to fucking, you know, going everywhere. And then they all just, like, descend on the places open and, like, dude... Like, we definitely kept it chill with them not getting in the food or anything like that. Like, the walk-ins are all sealed. The dry storage was all good. So, we didn't really have that problem. But you would definitely fucking see them late at night or fucking down in the basement when you're doing the fucking order. And it would definitely, like, stomp some in cold blood, and which was always dope. Because fuck them. Wow. Wow. I don't know if I... I don't know... <laughs> I don't know if I have it in me to stomp out a mouse in cold blood. But Dude, you do if you're like a chef, man. If when like, you... if I saw one in my house right now, I'd be like, ah, fuck him, but like, let him go. But there, it's just like, dude. You're it re- goes back to the health inspector thing. Yeah, like, no, dude, I get it. Fuck it's, you. It's your you're whole, going down. It's your whole job. You're the cleanliness of the food. Yeah, I, I and like if if uh-huh. I'm eat if I'm eating at your restaurant, do I want the chef stomping out the mic? Yeah, get rid of. You know what I'm saying? Like I I get it. Oh, it's it's a dilemma. So moving so the, the expanding out then, man. But moving from um uh where you're from to to New York City was it a little bit of a culture shock? Uh, learning the subways and and getting used to you know the 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 pace of life and that sort of thing. How people might make it out to be. Um, it was definitely a shock when I first got here. I remember the first day because I had never even been to New York in my life. I'd never even been to the East Coast. I was just like, fuck it, dude. Go big or go home. And, uh, (laughs) I remember I like, uh, I stayed with a friend for three days. He wasn't even, he wasn't even here at the time. He was in L.A., but I stayed with a friend who lived uh, right in the Lower East Side, like right on the, what is that, the East Side Highway, basically right under the Williamsburg Bridge. And, I, dude, I just remember the first night I, like, took my shit there, and then I was like, well, no sense in sitting here. I'm going to go fucking check it out. And I remember I was just, like, walking up under the Williamsburg bridge and it's like pretty quiet and dark down there at night. And like, I had no idea like if it was safe or not, or like where I was going or anything. And I remember just like walking and then all of a sudden some chick was like jogging and she like jogged up past me and I got fucking spooked so bad, man. I was like, Oh my God. And then I went to Times Square because I'm an idiot and I didn't know anything. But I also was, like, trying to work at this place right around there. And I was just like, what the fuck, dude? Like, the biggest place I had ever been before was, like, Las Vegas for Las Vegas Death Fest. And and now, like, going to Vegas since I've lived in New York, it's, like, nothing. It's tiny. Yeah, yeah, man. And you've even been out to Long Island. You've been to, you've, you've performed in East Long Island. 
mm-hmm. which is a whole different animal from New York City itself, as as you know, I'm sure. I mean, it's got some uh, it's got some Colorado vibes there. Yeah, yeah, there's yeah, there, there's <laughs> it's got a, some a lot of places vibes, dude. Like you can find a little bit of everything. There's definitely some sub suburbs to rural and suburbs to urban, depending where you go on Long Island. You know, it's uh, the further you get away from New York City, the more rural it can get. That's um, the uh, famous uh, Joe Provisiero uh, catchphrase when we're driving. Not to skip ahead too much, but. We'll like be we'd be in Texas or fucking South Dakota. He's like, looks like fucking Long Island. Yeah. What the fuck is it? Looks like fucking Long Island. <laughs> yeah, everywhere. Kind of, well, the suburbs are based on uh, what was the first suburb out here? I want to say, did the, was it Lindenhurst? I, I don't know. There was a there's a town on Long Island. A, 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 the name escapes me now, but it's basically the first suburb in America, and they, you you can look that up. But um, uh, yeah, I had no idea. Of course, the names. I I, I want to say it was Lindenhurst. I could be wrong, but regardless. Um. Uh. So we got a little insight into your you, you coming to New York City and and your your work experience there and and all that. Uh. Tell me a little bit about orthopedic cranial and came. You told us already about um. Uh. You know, meeting Jackson and retooling the band a little bit. Uh. I I reviewed today. Um. Your 2019 of the scrap heap demos demo um which is you know it's got a charm to it again like i was talking about that pile of eggs things you know reference in terms of your collection on band camp uh, band camp of your your projects the orthopedic cranial and caiman demo demo from 2019 it reminded me of more than 90s raw demos that some of these bands cut before some of their more classic material um it's like it's like fucking black metal production on the goddamn grindcore demo for sure well, it's it's not it, it it doesn't sound like it was recorded on a laptop um or you know like there's there's something about like matter of fact how was it recorded? It was at this place in Ridgewood. It was too uh Jackson's like a professional sound engineer. He's definitely like a badass in that scene. Uh, so he like knew two people that had like this little, uh, studio and they were just like kind of getting started. So I think they definitely hooked us up and we just like rolled in, but man, it was so early. Like I didn't know what I was doing with my fucking like guitar rig or anything. And I think, I think we like recorded that through a fucking big muff in this like little shitty, like practice amp which is honestly a totally a sick vibe for fucking death metal dude like i've seen people split between three little amps but this was like not the amp you wanted to do and then it's just all live track even the vocals we just fucking did it uh but man i remember we i i almost insisted we not even put that out because the fucking Symbols, man, just sounded so brutal, dude. It sounded like one of those little, like, wind-up monkey dudes. <laughs> like the stuffed monkey with the shit little symbols. It sounded like that, and it was so irritating. And I was like, dude, Jackson, do not put this out, dude. It's just, too... like, I'm down with shitty, but this is too shitty. And he somehow worked his magic and, like, mixed it after, like landing on that mix and then he like sent it to me the next day and i was like dude i don't know what you did but all right fuck it <laughs> let's drop it 
I I gotta say, and even your your um the production value of it, it's obvious, like it's purposefully raw. Um, you know, obviously, and the even the the new album that your new album hasn't come out yet, right? No, nah, we're uh, working on a release date. I'm not sure when this is planning on airing, but uh, later this week we're shooting the album cover, and then we should be solidifying a date, which should be end of December. Okay, you were early early January. Okay, and you were kind enough to give me a preview of that. Um, the EP is titled Plow Hazard, by the way. I was just checking um, uh, that people can look for early next year, hopefully. And the, even that, which has an improved sound quality, a little bit more bombastic, I would say. But even that still, it, it sounds to me like some classic Brazilian gore grind bands. Um, oh, I and, like that. I, and I want to reference, uh, without saying you guys are derivative of them, but I would like reference like maybe if people know rotting flesh or gore or um, maybe even sarcastic, just bands that have that kind of like extremely raw gore grind sound with, I'll also say, man, maybe a twist of death metal. It sounds like every once in a while you're trying to work oh, out some sort of death metal idea in the, in the context of the gore grind songs. I mean, it's a hundred percent like I'm super influenced by especially like early two thousands, brutal death fucking, there's definitely some slams, but like the thing is, we just don't sit on it long enough for like it to maybe be super apparent. But I mean, a hundred percent brutal death influence. I would say almost equally with Gordon for me as far as the riff writing. So let me ask you this then: How familiar with uh immortal suffering were you um when you saw that they were looking for a bass player i was actually pretty familiar i they i had known them before i even moved to new york i'd seen them definitely one time at las vegas death fest i remember because i fucking ralph uh what is what is Ralph Spetafora, dude? He fucking threw out a shirt and I caught it in the pit in fucking Vegas and I was like, Hell yeah. And they were <laughs> sick, dude. They fucking kept the groove and that that year that was like I think one of the last times that Rudy played out with them. Oh okay. but yeah, that was like the whatever, probably like two thousand twelve, two thousand thirteen lineup, I would say, something like that. So I did, like, I'm terrible with, like, knowing album names and shit, but I definitely listened to Immortal Suffering a decent amount before I even moved to New York. And then, of course, you'd see them uh, play, like, New York Death Fest with, like, fucking Dehumanize and shit. And to that, for me, dude, it was like, dude, Immortal Suffering and Dehumanize were just, like, the fucking Groove Kings, dude. They're both Queens bands, um, both from Queens. And uh, I definitely saw Mortal Suffering a couple times at Lucky 13. I think that's it. But I, I was definitely like, yeah, dude, this fucking shit is legit as fuck. <laughs> All right, man. Well, I, I was just curious, um, given that we were talking about that, that early 2000s brutal death metal, which Immortal Suffering wasn't really around in the early 2000s specifically, but kind of like predate that wave. Of yeah, things. that was like during the the break time. So, um, orthopedic cranial encavement. You guys, 
you, you know, you, you cut the 2019 demo, and I remember seeing you guys live. Um, I don't know if it was the Barely Breathing Fest. It was it was uh, at Mr. Beery's on Long Island. Yeah. yeah, it was the one before that. It was like... Was it with Afterbirth that time? Yeah, you guys played with Afterbirth. Ah, oh, man, I'm trying to think who else played. Maybe Charcuterie. It was like the first little fucking shit after uh, stuff really started opening up. That was an awesome show, man. Was uh, Yeah, was that when you guys started playing shows, or had you kind of played shows before the uh, the, the shutdown and, and then had to you know stop, stop playing out live? Nah, we played a good amount before. I would say we probably had... 10, 12 shows under our belt before everything shut down. Um, we didn't play anything too crazy. We, we played with Haggis at uh, Heart Bar in Brooklyn. That was probably like our best show pre-pandemic, which like we thought that we didn't even give a, they didn't even give a fuck about us, but then they, they ended up like reaching out to us after that, like a few months, and they were like, remembered us, and she was like, wow, that's fucking awesome. <laughs> she was like, um, but yeah, no, we definitely had some shit under our belt. Like, uh, but I feel like that Mr. Beery show, the first show, uh, like post, you know, fucking quarantine was where we like started coming into what we are now, which is like, we still be a little, we're definitely a little fucking sloppy for sure, dude. Like, undeniable. That's just, like, the kind of dude I am, especially. <laughs> but, like, dude, we, I, it just felt like we fucking really played a set, dude. Like, there was maybe one show before that. We played one of the first shows at St. Vitus after the pandemic that's, like, thankfully on full on YouTube before we went fucking unmasked. And that was another one where it was just like, dude, I feel like we're fucking, like, this is going to be something that people are going to give a shit about, dude. Like, give it time. <laughs> so tell tell me about the, how did the image come about? The live, the live image? I've, like, always, well, not always, but for years, just been a massive fan of, like, the freakish fucking, like, Czech Republic style gore grind and porno grind scene like hashtag don't cancel me <laughs> fucking like 2006 obscene extreme type shit bizarre leprous so like i always for me like i thought the ultimate coolest thing you could probably ever do was just playing a fucking brutal ass like death grind band and fucking playing costume <laughs> like and just <laughs> Just full commitment, and I remember the thing that just like totally did it. That totally did it for me. Like one of the moments where I was just like, "Fuck yes, dude!" I'm so fucking glad I moved to New York. Was one of the first shows I went to at St. Vitus was fucking Pink Mass. Oh wow! God knows who else. And I and I was like, "Yes, dude! People are doing exactly what like." I would love to do maybe not like full BDSM, BDSM, but like you get what I'm saying, dude, like just full commitment to some fucking shit. And there's people that are going to actually come and watch and be into it. And I was just like, dude, fuck yeah. 
So um, that's really where that comes from. I know what you mean. And, yeah, like the, the way Pink Mask does it isn't necessarily how everyone is going to do it, but um, just just taking a little bit of uh, creativity and a little bit of pride in, in your stage show, your image, in some way that suits you and your band can go a long way. Yeah, and just, like, for me, it's not about gimmick. It's about just, like a fucking level of entertainment that you're not necessarily going to get with like four dudes standing there in t-shirts and shorts. Like, don't get me wrong. I fucking love that shit. Like I will shit my pants to see fucking disgorge and shit like that all day is awesome. But like, dude, just like, Oh man, like having the whole package and like having the fucking stage presence in between songs be its own art form, which is really something that like I'm trying to hit my stride on with more, not to like fucking, you know, give away the secrets or whatever, but it's like, dude, every second that you're up there, you're fucking performing, dude. And Mm. that's the thing that will kill me about so many bands is like, all right, you can be sick, but if it's like fucking lame as shit in between songs, like I don't care for how long I'm going to get bored, man. And that's why like, shit like pink bass or just like a band with the front man who's a little fucking wild or unhinged or just like you know just some fucking showmanship dude there you can kill energy between songs depending on how you handle yourself man i may have done that myself over the years we all we're all guilty of that that's something that maybe we all should look at as uh, as artists yeah, man. I mean, I, I would say you fucking keep the scene moving, dude, all the way. Yeah, well, but, no, I, I'm just, I'm just saying that not to sound judgmental of anybody, man. But it's, it's definitely a point, um, to think of. Um, I, I just think, you know, it's like, it's like you have that, whatever, twenty minute set, like, fucking make the whole thing count, you know? Yeah, yeah, man. I, I, I agree a hundred percent, man. I like that, and I always. Um, you know, I, I feel like black metal, uh, has kind of a one up on some of the other subgenres in terms of that performative aspect of, of it. And that's that stage presence. Sometimes it's a little over, over the top for, for a lot of people, <laughs> myself included, but, um, you know, there's definitely black metal bands that I don't, I don't even own their albums, but I would be really interested to see live. Uh, and you know, when it comes to going to a, a music festival or something like that, if it's, if it's a band like Mayhem on it, or you know certain other bands, I I would probably catch their you know catch their set, and that would be part of the reason why I would invest my money in that fest just to, uh, just to see that man. Or you know even when they if they came around, they did play Long Island a, a few years ago, man. Unfortunately, I was working, but I'm I'm just making yeah, making that making that point that 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 performative aspect and that stage show sometimes can draw people in who wouldn't necessarily go just for the music. Yeah, man. It's about, all about the momentum and just, like, keeping it interesting for me. And, well, now here's a little segue. Recently, um, November 27th, uh, here in Amityville, Long Island, Immortal Suffering played a show with Torturous Inception, um, Bowel Erosion, Fester Gore, and uh, Afterbirth. So I got to catch you guys live. You guys had a really intense stage show. Um, for playing Amityville Music Hall, which is one of my favorite venues, but admittedly a kind of a, a smaller club, you guys definitely had like a festival atmosphere. You were working the crowd, you had a, a certain energy. 
Um, and I think that you were probably fresh from playing some 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 more uh, higher end kind of fest experiences out of state, right? Yeah, I mean, definitely. I wouldn't say incredibly higher end, but yeah, I mean, a little bigger crowd, but. Well, look, Immortal, Su- Immortal Suffering's not playing um, uh, uh, Rocktober or so or whatever. You know, I mean, uh, you're not playing the not the, <laughs> no. the not fest, but I know you guys were playing no. playing some some um, for 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 what underground death metal is definitely playing some some bigger fests in uh, uh, Texas and places like that. Yeah, which was sick, man. Yeah, it was like a week after we uh, did it a couple days in Texas. We did Dallas with uh stabbing embalmer and this band uh scaphism who's like a younger band i think they're like technically outside dallas but man like probably some of the more listenable better like new slam total devourment worship but that was sick and then we played um oh what the hell is it called deep in the pit of texas that's what i was thinking of. That, yeah. in houston which was honestly i was kind of bummed that we didn't get to be there for the first day because pyrexia played the first day i forget who else played but man honestly as far as one day festival lineups that was one of the best lineups i've ever seen like not as far as maybe like star power, recognizable names, you know, like fucking Gorgasm wasn't there, like some shit, but like just bands that were consistently good and watchable and like nobody except for one who's going to remain nameless that I wanted to be like, oh, I'm going outside or like, fuck this. Like it was all like, damn, this man's sick. Damn, this man's sick. It was fucking sweet, man. Awesome, man. Um, well, so what I'm getting at here with the Immortal Suffering talk, let's get into that, man, because we talked a little bit before. You you, you knew Immortal Suffering and had seen them years prior to moving to New York. Uh, where do you see they're looking for a bass player? Take me through. Was there like an audition process? Was that your first time meeting Joe? What's it like hopping into this band? Like that, you know, all that sort of thing, man. So I saw an ad that they were looking for a bassist, and that kind of blew me away. It was right. It was right a couple, maybe a month after I quit restaurants, and I just like had extra time. So I thought to look and like see if there was anybody looking to like join a band. Like I was really thinking about like maybe starting like a fucking, you know, like early two thousand style brutal death band at that point. Um, so I looked and like the second thing I see is a mortal suffering is looking for a basis. And I was like, I was like, what the fuck? Um, and I kind of just like, didn't think anything of it at first. I was like, that's crazy, dude. And then I was sitting there and I was like, I could fucking do that. Like, I think I could probably do that. So I just immediately said, fuck it. And like got on the train and went to fucking guitar center I like pulled up uh, whatever whatever it is, images of Immortal Damnation and like started listening to it. Got there, like I didn't really have shit for money at the time. So I just like pulled the fucking cheapest bass off the wall and like try to figure out what tuning they're in. And then 
uh, I messaged them on Instagram, like, are you still looking for a bassist? And they're like, yeah. I was like, what tuning are you in? It's like an A standard. They're like, yep. So I like tried to start figuring out some songs and then uh, Joe ended up contacting me and sent me like three tabs that he had and was just like, yeah, I'll figure out, see if you can play these, like these two songs for sure. And then if you uh, can get this third one and then I like practiced like fucking crazy and then just like showed up and tried out and then <laughs> I like showed up at their practice space. I had actually met Joe before for sure in Vegas. And I think I probably talked to Ralph and Leo in Vegas. This was like the second time they played Vegas after I was living in New York. So like I was familiar with who they were, but I definitely didn't know them well. And I like roll up and of course it's fucking Leo <laughs> opens up the elevator and it's just like fucking death metal Joe Pesci, dude. <laughs> and he's like, you play bass good? <laughs> like, uh, uh, I'm, uh, I'm pretty good, I guess. He's like, you play with your fingers? I was like, yeah. He's like, hi, you'll be good. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Yeah. We just fucking played through the songs, man. And dude, it was awesome. Like I've never like been in a room like that where it just fucking sounded like so just like straight death metal, dude. Like it just sounded fucking heavy. It was tight as fuck. Like I definitely wasn't hundred percent nailing it, but like them and fucking especially Randall, dude, aka Rooks, the rookie, our drummer, dude. They were just fucking locked in, man. It was just us three when I tried out, and I was like, dude. I definitely got, like, the tingle going on my spine, dude. I was like, this is fucking heavy shit. This is dope. Wow. All right, man. And, um, I mean, you're stepping into a band that already has quite a legacy at that point uh, from the 90s, then from the, the getting together. And it seems like when you joined, you joined at a little bit of a... um maybe I don't want to say tumultuous like there was like drama or beef or anything but there was a lot of changeover in that that point which Joe um went over you know kind of like the behind the scenes type of thing man it was all amicable but um it wasn't just you uh, at at that time but the um vocal position which was uh, used to be a dual singer position basically transitioned into just Jordan doing the singing like what like pretty soon after you joined right no or or had that already happened uh yeah, like I knew uh at the time that uh Ray or no, Ralph was officially out of the band. Which I was kind of like damned cuz like I don't know, dude, I just like have that image seared in my mind of Ray and Ralph just kind of dodging each other and the fucking little man big man dynamic on stage. So I was like, "Oh, damn, that dude's not in the band anymore." Even before I tried to like join the band but ray hadn't officially left yet so i definitely like had my hopes up to like play a show with ray for a while but then he did then end up leaving uh but yeah but it <sighs> so then you were there before jordan then that they have tryouts and, and jordan joins the band or jordan fills in and ends up staying in the band 
No, Jordan was in the band, but I didn't know him. Like, I didn't know anything about him, and he and he wasn't there when I tried out, and I don't think he was even there for the first maybe two, three times that I was there, and then uh, eventually he came down and I met him. Okay, got it, man. Big shout out to Jordan, by the way. Uh, we'll we'll get him in here eventually too. So you guys get together, you learn the older material. Um, did you contribute to the writing of Conceived in a Crack House, the most recent single, which we went into detail uh, about the meaning of and the lyrics of uh, with Joe when we had him on? Um, not like really with the form of it. I think there was like one little break where I like wrote it, but then uh, eventually Joe was like, nah, fuck that. Because <laughs> like he, he changed stuff all the time. Like that's kind of like the meme of Joe. Um, but I definitely like wrote my part, especially in the first thing. But I mean, for the most part, dude, I'm not trying to do anything flashy or fuck with the program in that band, dude. It's just like, did fucking fall the riffs and just keep it heavy. So that's pretty much what I do. Uh, we are writing stuff now, and I definitely contribute a little bit more. But it's like, it's more like form. It's like, ah, oh, dude, we should do this fucking riff two times and then slow it down and then like like shit like that it's not like i'm sitting here like oh i came up with this riff should we try to work with that and i'm like nah dude this is joe all the way i'm not trying to fuck with that okay i hear you man no doubt man and um yeah if listeners are interested in a little bit more mortal suffering talk as i said before we interviewed uh former member leo backman and we interviewed big joe himself uh on separate episodes people can go back for um, so now getting a little bit more, uh, current, as I said, you were kind enough to send me a preview of this upcoming EP by orthopedic cranial encavement entitled plow hazard, uh, 10 songs here. And, um, like I, like I said before, man, if, if I have to make some sort of comparison to me, it, it, it kind of sparks the same, uh, um, uh, feelings as those, uh, uh, raw gore grind bands from Brazil, maybe a little neurovisceral exhumation, a little gore, a little rotting flesh. In my personal opinion, um, it sounds, it, it, but it sounds like maybe you were trying to take something from the raw quality of the demo, but also step it up a notch and and make it a little bit more palatable to your ear. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely like in the true spirit of grindcore. It's DIY as fuck. We recorded it ourselves tried our best but yeah man i mean i mean i'm definitely no stranger to more raw sound and it's just what fits man like we're not we're both not fucking super anal about stuff we're not sitting here like run it again run it again run it again like i mean we probably recorded all 10 of those songs in fucking four hours total huh. um for gore grind, some people good. would be like, fuck that, but I'm like, dude, that's just us. Like, I don't know, man. I, as much as I try to, like, get everything polished, it's just like, at the end of the day, we're two dudes fucking playing gore grind in fucking shorts overalls. <laughs> Let's just fucking be heavy, but I feel like it's fucking heavy, man. Jackson's an incredible drummer. He he is. You've got a really cool last days of humanity kind of thing with him. He's 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 quick on the drums back there, um, and that's the thing about it too. It's there's a there's a stripped down simplicity to it. 
I feel like people who listen to it on on record and see you guys live or vice versa aren't going to feel like it's two different bands. You know, it sounds like two guys, but I don't mean that in, oh, a, ba- yeah. in a bad way. You know what I mean? Like, you guys aren't doing a whole bunch of stuff on the record that you're not going to be able to duplicate live. Nah, man. I mean, it's all live tracked uh, as far as guitar and drums. There's no, <laughs> definitely no punch-ins and definitely nothing to that. And then just fucking bass and uh, vocals after, which we definitely like how to rework the vocals like here and there. But as far as the actual instrumentation, dude, like that's what you would get live for sure. Like on a on a good night, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Do you ever? Where think... I'm not doing something ignorant. You ever think about adding other people to the band? Yes, that is a good question. Not to you know be cliche but we actually have an interested party Hmm. um who i don't know if i should give it away but uh my only hint is he's a fucking doctor and he's greek and he loves pathological gore grind wow for any of the fucking kids in the know out there might be able to piece that together but yeah so we're looking at possibly adding him on base um I just like kind of been waiting till everything calms down because we were we we're also just finishing up a split. We have three songs recorded for a split, um, which I could totally plug too. So now that all that's done, I'm like, all right, dude, I need to fucking sit down and like send this dude some uh, shit so he can try giving it a go on pace. Because I mean, we would love that, dude. I mean, I feel like that's that definitely legitimizes it for a lot of people. If that's a word, you know, I personally love a two piece grindcore band, but not everyone does. And, you know, having a third person there is just a going to make it heavier with the bass and B is just like, yeah, we're a fucking band, dude. We're a real band. Let's go. (laughs) Yeah. There's, there's something about it, man. There's something, you know, it, it, there's something about it. It's it says uh, it's one more person invested in the project, and it kind of rounds out the sound live from what you hear on record. But yeah, man, um, uh, I I urge people to check that out. It'll probably be out uh, around if if not by the time that people listen to this interview. Uh, Plow Hazard by Orthopedic Cranial and Cayman. And um, Taylor, you know we we've had you on a, a while now. You've been very generous with your time. Um, I'll give you opportunities to, to plug and promote anything else, obviously, afterwards, but we're going to round down now with the typical heavy hole uh, outro question. I'm going to ask you to recommend two pieces of music, whether they be albums, demos, EPs, or anything, metal or otherwise, by any artist you like. All right. Um, so it's new and new and old, right? Yeah, r- roughly, man. We're you know, there's no strict or stringent. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. Uh, no one's no one's clocking you on this one. Just I'm lucky because I actually was in the loop on something new, which is rare. You know how it goes. Yeah. Um. So my new recommendation is gonna be uh, Hostile Deviancies 2022 EP which is descending into ineffable parallels of God rape. Wow. That's, that's a lot. <laughs> it sounds intense. It's this kid. Um, I, I feel like a dick calling him kid. I mean, he's like probably like 19, but you know, um, 
he also plays in a band called Flesh Mangled. They played with us at uh what the fuck was that shit called? The LA LA Extermination Fest that Immortal Suffering played a few months ago. They were like the first band of the fest. Um I knew about this kid. He's like a YouTuber kid who's like, yeah, check out my fucking uh, collection update, dad. But he actually fucking shreds, man. He does like Gorgasm covers, fucking Defeated Sanity covers and shit. Like he fucking rips. So this is his like solo effort. I think it's like the third release from that. And it's just it's just super ignorant ignorant like early 2000 style fucking brutal death with like predator vocals fucking inward fucking shit just straight gun rolls just like full ignorant like only a fucking 19 year old kid can do who huh. can play guitar like 10 times better than me <laughs> well, with I'm- like blatantly fake drums and i'm gonna ask you to say the the name of the project and the name of that one more time it's a hostile deviancy and the ep is entitled descending into ineffable parallels of god rape jesus <laughs> all right man and it really is all that dude <laughs> all right man i'm gonna take your word for it man me and the listeners to check it out uh and what about something from a little bit more back in the day back in the day dude um I just, there's no other band I can do, which is fucking uh, Mincing Fury and Guttural Clamor of Queer Decay oh, yeah. uh, with their album Seven. It's pretty much like, not to be too fucking long-winded again, but like I used to do a radio show back in high school and I would go... And, like, especially the first couple years of it, I would just scour MySpace top eights and just find what other, whatever bands had, like, free downloads um, on their shit and just get, like, two CDs, like, 10, 12 songs each from my A and B side and then, like, mix in whatever CDs I had. But that was, like, one of the earlier ones I found was the song Language, Languish by Mincing Fury for short. And that band, dude, and that album is just a hundred percent like I just feel like it's unique, just crazy as fuck. Check Death Grind all the way. I I'm actually not familiar with that album. I just had to look. I have their albums, uh, Lamentations and um the thousand Great. the yeah, the thousand years album, but I don't have the seven album and I I mean they're Really incredible grindcore. It's funny when you say Czech grindcore or Czech death. When you say Czech death grind, it's a very specific thing, and I don't think any band exactly sounds the same. But you kind of know what you what you're talking. Like it's like uh, that. The that- closest I would say is maybe like Pigsty or Pigsty because that has shared members. I yeah. believe it's that kind of alien. And then like maybe yeah, yeah, yeah. Alienation mental. Alien. I was gonna say. Yep. Dude, like, all that fucking bizarre leprous shit, man, it's just, like, that's, like, the creme de la creme for me. But it's a sick album, too, because it's a a concept album off the movie 7, so there's two songs for every sin. Oh, okay. 
and it is out there, dude. It is fucking crazy pig squeals. There's a couple spots of like clean female vocals that come out of nowhere. There's a trumpet, not to fucking give it all away, but it's just fucking wild shit, dude. And it's like, dude, it's kind of like, dude, that's just one of the albums that's like, dude, I'm never going to like get over interesting band for people to go back and check out man um wow yeah uh so i'm just now i'm just bugging thinking about all these uh check man contrastic and like kathia flame man we should really get into that and do a whole oh episode. yeah like i had a list here like i literally i'm so shitty with my memory brand my memory i just like have a fucking bunch of band names in front of me in case like anything came up and i was like what the fuck is that band but yeah there's definitely a good amount of check shit and whatever stuff here like that yeah man <laughs> i one day i'm gonna buckle down and do a whole list sometimes i'm afraid of doing episodes about topics like that because it's like daunting like you know you're gonna forget something man but i gotta i gotta get into that and do that man um dude it's just I'll just, man, some of the best is just, I remember being in high school, like, probably like 2006, 2007 is when I really just got crazy on and just found the fucked up shit. And, like, that's the weird thing about living in small town Colorado is, like, I had no metal peers at all. I had no one to reference anything to. I had nobody to tell me, like, oh, check out Obituary, check out Death. Like, I didn't fucking know any of those bands, and I was listening to Mincing Fury and shit. <laughs> like, I just had no idea. But I just remember waiting for, like, weeks to get a package from Bizarre Leprous, and then you come, and it's just, like, six different pieces of fucking cardboard taped together, all fucking jank as fuck with like 15 stamps and you just know it's going to be the heaviest shit you've ever listened to, man. It was the best. Hell yeah. <laughs> That's like poetry to my ears, man. I love it. Yeah, dude. Um, ta- uh, Taylor Schrank uh, of Orthopedic Cranial Encavement, who people should watch for your new EP, Plow Hazard, uh, End of Immortal Suffering, man, and your other projects, man. It's been great speaking to you. Any final uh, plugs, promotions, or shout-outs um, before we close out? Uh, final plug, not only is Plow Hazard coming out, look for the three-way split orthopedic cranial encavement schmuck, which is, uh, Josh from, uh, Pink Masses, two-man band, also Scuzz, um, and then Dog Food, which is like a, uh, spinoff band of bowel erosion. Yeah, of course. It's going to be the heavy hitter split of the season, dude. Shout out to Dog Food. That's it. Long Island Gore Grind Band. All right, man. Looking forward to that, man. Uh, Taylor, it's been great having you on the show finally, man. Uh, Thank you very much for your time, and we're going to be looking forward to all of that, man. I hope to see you soon. Uh, Yeah, man. Appreciate it.
outro. Shout to Taylor Schrank of Orthopedic Cranial Encavement and Immortal Suffering and all of his other projects, as we mentioned. Uh, we hope you check out all that sort of thing. Uh, I love seeing the gore grind and noise core alive uh, and well, and, and not not only in the new generation, but in my vicinity here in New York, New York, man. So I wish him the best with that and hope the listeners check that out. Um, uh, Tom, uh, guy, guy was a longtime listener, as he explained, finally on here with his band. If anyone else out there is a listener of the podcast and wants to send your band, your project, what your pod, maybe you got your own podcast, man, get into heavy whole podcast at gmail.com. That's what we're going to do. What we'll, what we'll yeah. do is we'll put your podcast and we'll frame it like we're doing right now. Yeah. So we'll, we'll intro it and then it will be a podcast <laughs> and then we'll outro your podcast. And then every, every 30 seconds under your podcast, oh, like in the background, it'll just be like exclusive, exclusive, exclusive <laughs> clue, 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 clue. <laughs> like the old school mixtapes, man. Yeah, like a bunch of vinyl stop sound effects. Yeah. Like something yeah, big yeah. happens. Yeah. yeah. Just, just, uh, yeah. Just get in touch. We'll give it the New York treatment for you guys, man um no but yeah get in touch man we love to keep it up keep everybody in the mix um who supports us man we appreciate you guys supporting us we will support you right back uh another band that we want to support right back tom um a a quick recommendation right off the tip i want people to check out inhuman devourment a band that is from i'm gonna say they're from ecuador by way now of new york um and shout out to my buddy Anthony Cousseau, who's a longtime New York death metal musician. You may recognize him from uh, being in Dehumanized for many years. Now playing bass in Inhuman Devourment. So uh, what's that? Transcending through depravity uh, is an album you should check out by them. They also have other stuff, man. But they they got this video up there now. You can check. We're we're, we're watching this right now. But we saw them live in Human Depravity. Uh, I'm sorry, in Human Devourment. In Human Devourment. Um, uh, at that show with Pyrexia Malignancy and Reeking Aura and Bowel Erosion at Rams American Pub this past weekend, I was really impressed live. I haven't heard Cricket, Frog, whatever vocals like that live yeah, that in dude, a long time. That dude can wail. Um, that was actually the second time I saw them because they had played at Mutilated Fest, what was that, like two months ago, three months ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and something that, that uh, stuck to my mind, I, I was telling like Terrell and uh sam when we were hanging out was like it's kind of rare that you just see a, a death metal band live never pick it up again and then recognize the music again yeah they have some really kind of like catchy riffs and rhythms to it where i was able to, i remember that song in my head it was cool cool experience very catchy um vocals were like on 10 just guttural and brutal i mean the guy was like the uh uh the 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 frank ocean of guttural cricket vocals he was the he was reaching inside of my soul you know the guy was you know yeah. he was he was <laughs> i love I, I just wanted to make that reference but seriously this guy could really um do the, there's something about the cricket vocals when you transcend the burping range and you're just on that kind of high-pitched chirp yeah. Like it's like it, it's its own thing, and I tend to notice it more with some of our, our more international brutal bands than we see it in the states through the years. So like uh, that guy, for him to be playing guitar and doing vocals like that was impressive. And I gotta say, watching them in the hallowed halls of Rams Pub out here in East Long Island, they were the most suffocation 
adjacent band I've seen live in a long time. Something about their music. It wasn't just modern brutal slam. It was. It, there was something classical about the tech death, about the brutal tech death there. It, it's not too refined. It's not too flashy. It's death metal in its purest form. And when you're talking about brutal tech death, that's obviously uh gonna pay homage to the suffocation so all i'm saying is that these guys just hit it and clicked right if you get the chance to see them live definitely check out the album great band in human development Human Devourment, um, now from New York, I guess. I believe those guys are originally from Ecuador, some of them, and Anthony Cousseau of, De- of uh, Dehumanized uh, fame in there. Shout out to Rich, so Rich from Dehumanized over there um, at Rams Pub. Man, a lot of people coming out to Long Island nowadays, man. Uh, I guess when you get the right mix of bands, it's, it's good to see people, man. Anita, ex Lane Productions, and some other, shout out to Lou from Brooklyn, man. So a lot of old heads out there, man, and, and new heads alike, you know. That reminds me, actually, Rick just texted me, like, 20 minutes ago i recorded the video of your guys set yes did some really up close obnoxious shots you got my good side i did um i'm trying to figure out how to get it off my phone because the digital upload of it is not as high resolution um i'll figure it out but i only only gave it 10 minutes but i'm new to the iphone here man it shot some quality video and i don't want to down res it when i send it over Hmm. that's interesting i don't I'm not even sure what you were saying is English to me. You might, I'm not, like, I don't render, I don't understand that. It's uh, well, like a new technological language. I was going for banter there because I really don't want anyone writing in from the show telling me what to do because I will figure <laughs> it out. Um, okay, so do not, do not tell Tom what to do. Don't tell me Tom. what to do. Um, I'll be so if, mad. Yeah. If anyone out there does make videos, though, man, holler at me, man. I got a few ideas for 2023, man. Anyone uh, making videos and booking shows, man, let's talk behind the scenes, man. I got some ideas going on um, wherever you're from in, in, in the regional area, man. But um, uh, what else, Tom? Let's see. We, we, we did the Inhuman Development. Do we have, do we have any voicemails? Yeah, we got one voicemail. Ooh, okay. Hey, howdy, whole crew. This is Ezra from Texas. Just calling with a couple recommendations. The first one is called Human Corpse Abuse, a gore grind noise core super group of sorts featuring Adam Jarvis of uh, Pig Destroyer and uh, Misery Index fame, along with Shelby from Ulthar and Vastum. Uh, extremely chaotic, noisy. Uh, violent, really good stuff. And then in a completely different vein, I've also got for you the new album Eclipse of the Dual Moons from the uh, Massachusetts, I believe, uh, thrash, hardcore band um, High Command. Uh, They've got a really interesting take on thrash metal with a a sort of a late 90s, I mean, uh, late 80s, early 90s uh, Slayer type sound. Uh, if you're a fan of Seasons in the Abyss or um, South of Heaven, this album has a lot to offer. 
but with an interesting uh, fantasy storyline in the lyrics that I, I found super enjoyable. Tons of riffs. Uh, it's got a, a sort of a slower, groovier take on thrash, but uh, still still really incredible music. Uh, also for fans of, of Sepultura from that era, uh, definitely one of the uh, late album of the year candidates for me. Uh, hope you guys have a great week, great weekend, and uh, talk to you soon. Thank you, Ezra, for those recommendations, man. We appreciate that. Um, and if you want to be be like Ezra, look in the description wherever you're listening to this for this for that voicemail uh, number or heavyholepodcast at gmail dot com. Now he said human corpse abuse, um, and I heard that this this has Shelby of Ulthar. Yeah, we talked to him at Saint Vitus very briefly. One of the when we were still in the like beginning primordial stages of Heavy Hole Podcast, one of our first episodes. We were out um, on a man on the street style interviewing people from bands um, at St. Vitus. So we did talk to some of the guys from Ulthar a little bit, but not like not like you may have come to know Heavy Hole to do. So maybe we should check out um, this human corpse abuse and yeah. reach out to Shelby again. Adam Jarvis, one of the best drummers out there, I think. Well, top top 20 in the extreme metal game. Yeah. Uh, and I say that with a name, you know. There's probably there's probably basement guys, you know what I'm saying? But I got to trust me. I I got a guy. We we grew him in a lab. Yeah. <laughs> you haven't heard of him yet, but no, yeah. Uh, so let's check out this human corpse. I gotta check this out. I see they have a release on Caligari Records. There. Yeah, uh, it's called Xeno Viscerum. bag of bricks right there yep that's intense that is something man i like the unflinching wall of noise that is that bass heavy guitar sound right there and then the, the kind of like like not not echoey but kind of like clunky hallway sounding drums it's yeah it feels like uh it's got that like uh cardboard box kind of sound to yeah it. yeah that is a heavy fucking release um the way they kind of balance it between the power violence, grindy vocals, and the gore grind stuff is interesting. Mm-hmm. I like that too, man. That's that's cool. I appreciate the recommendation. And um, you know, see, even like you know, we we know of some of these people, but we don't even know all the side projects people are always doing, man. So that's why we depend on the listeners like Ezra. Thank you, man. And what was that other one? The other one was a band called High Command. Okay. And uh, their album Eclipse of the Dual Moons. Let's check that out. <laughs> I dig it. Really cool stuff. That sounds really fun right off the bat. And you know what ties it in for me with bands kind of of this ilk is the vocals usually because the vocals is kind of, you know, admittedly this isn't my home neighborhood of uh, extreme metal. Um, So with thrash more or less releases like this, the vocals being kind of dirty, maybe a little bit more of the black metal style 
uh that'll really win me over with this type of stuff man if it's clean singing or whatever you know i don't know how long i can hang with that usually but uh when i heard those vocals come in i felt right at home and it reminded me maybe of some of those like first wave black metal bands uh you know those bands that kind of like straddle the line between thrash metal and black metal and death metal the late 80s vibe yeah yeah Um, it's more fun than like you know not to sound like a jerk but you could tell it draws a little bit from that german sound like the uh destruction kind of creator stuff but it doesn't have that like super sterile playing it sounds like they're in a room i um playing together which is awesome I didn't want to be the one to bring it to Creator and Destruction and Sodom because I feel like I'm always comparing bands to that. But it's it's true that they've influenced a lot of awesome bands that kind of that like I said walk that line of thrash and black metal. So I mean, I, I think you know, a lot of the bands that come from like the Creator. I I don't know. I'm not a huge Creator fan. Yeah, they're just a little too dry for me. Um, they're not a bad band by any means, but I've just heard bands that do it better because there's more character involved there's yeah and you know what else too man a lot of the, a lot of the time especially when you go back to those bands very early releases and first albums mm-hmm. is it, it has that same thing that happens on a lot of old school hardcore releases where it's very simple writing kind of three chord you know hardcore punk structure so it's if you're not there for the atmosphere you know yeah. each song might not necessarily uh get you home but this doesn't sound like it suffers from that you know no. i'm talking about some of those primitive releases that we no, uh, we think, get into from time i to think time. we just covered a few examples of what this wasn't yeah no this exact, this yeah. was pretty exciting man so shout out to ezra from texas man we appreciate both the recommendations man Hell yeah. You got anything else to talk about, man? A little bit of variety uh in his um uh in his choices out there. Well, let's see, yeah. man. It's um uh this is second to last episode of the year. We got another episode coming next year. We're rounding out the the like I said, the the New York for the for home for the holidays, New York uh uh season right now. We've been interviewing all New York people. We're not gonna change that for next week, but I have interviewed our first international guest of 2023. That's awesome. It's going down. Yeah, it's, I, people are going to know who it is. Um, and I'm looking around. I'm booking some other people. We always tell if you if you want to drop us a recommendation, who to book, who to reach out to. Of course, you're welcome to do that on social media or heavyholepodcast at gmail dot com or leave a voicemail. We have reached out to a lot of people behind the scenes who've declined or have not gotten back, and I'm not going to blow up their spot. So I can't really tell you if if uh you know if it's not going to happen or not, but but. But please, man, share your recommendations. I already have also booked our first listener recommended guest of 2023. Two separate, two separate people. I can sweet. Say. So we're working out here behind behind the scenes. I got some cool whip scripts for those uh, Patreon episodes coming up too, man. I was working hard on one today. We're gonna give you Long Island Black Middle Parts two, three, maybe up to six, six, six if we have to. I don't know. Wow. I'm sorry for doing that one on Christmas. That was a little yeah that's, weird. Yeah. Yeah. But that's um, cool talk. Yeah. But listen. Shout out to Taylor Schrank, longtime listener. Now, uh, part now now on the other side of the mic. Now on the other side of the speakers, man. Um, orthopedic cranial encavement. Watch out for that new one. Uh, Immortal suffering. Watch out for new material with him on bass. And like we said before, if you're interested in more of that immortal suffering talk, you can always go check out our interview with Big Joe from Immortal Suffering from just two or three weeks ago. And longtime, uh, but not not any more member of Immortal Suffering, uh, Leo Backman. We interviewed a few months ago as well um so we appreciate all you guys man and tom thank you so much for allowing me into this uh beautiful workspace you've created yeah man it's next time it's going to be even more sterile 
Yeah. It's going to smell like a tattoo shop in here. Oh, <laughs> I would want a tattoo to smell tattoo shop to smell sterile though, man. Shout out to oh, yeah. uh uh Big Jim Beach from Pyrexia um moving out to the island. He's got his own tattoo still. We'll plug his tattoo shop next time, man. We gotta get him on here, talk all that nonsense eventually, man. I like I, I really like this Dr. Octopus like cabinet thing. It reminds me I was punching drywall anchors in at home before mm-hmm. i was my mother i was helping my mother hang paintings and antique rifles allegedly and all sorts of stuff like that yeah it was hey it still works as a guitar cab too yeah, yeah. Ex- exactly man you got what one two three four five and one 